Hello, shalom, and welcome to another episode of Community Relations Corner, where we discuss issues of concern to New York's Jewish community and our friends and partners all over the city, the metropolitan area. I'm your host, Michael Miller, the Executive Vice President and CEO of the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York, JCRCNY. On each episode of Community Relations Corner, we are joined by guests representing the political, religious, economic, and uh, educational uh, diverse community leadership in New York, many of whom I've had the honor and pleasure of getting to know during the course of my tenure at JCRCNY. Together we'll discuss current events impacting on New York's Jewish community and its neighbors, as well as the state of our city, the state of our state, the state of the world, state of the nation. Today we are excited, very excited to have our very good friend, the Chancellor of the City University of New York himself, Felix Matos Rodriguez. Welcome, thank you so much for joining us. Oh no, thank you, Michael, for inviting me to, uh, to your podcast. I'm delighted to be here and uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity and uh, greetings to uh, everybody who's watching to this great conversation. Thank you. Uh, so let's begin with the beginning, uh, like where you and I first met. So um, do you remember like when that took place and what brought us together in the first place? So but first, let me take the opportunity to thank you. And I know that uh, all the guests in the show have been doing this and you're probably annoyed by folks thanking you for your great leadership and service uh, to the organization, to New York, to the country. I have benefited uh, from your friendship, from your advice uh, since my early CUNY days, and I want to make that very public, and, and you know that uh, you. we'll miss you personally and wish you the best, and look forward to continuing working with the, the new leadership at JCRC. I, I suspect that we met at some event when I was at the Center for Puerto Rican Studies, which is when I started mm -hmm. my career as a faculty member at Hunter, but for sure, um, is when I became president of Ostos. I had the good fortune to have uh, some of your great colleagues, uh, Rabbi Bob Kaplan, uh, yeah. reach out and we began a fellowship program based in Bronx. So that's when I really became a lot more aware of the, 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 many, the many programs and the work that um, is done by JCRC and got to, to really meet you and work with you more closely. So it was, it goes back to to my days in the Bronx. So what, approximately what year, what years were you, no, no, approximately, you know what years so that, you were I, yeah. I started at uh, Osos in 2009. I was there yeah. for five years and then uh, went to Queens College uh, for another five years. And, um, and then now being chancellor for a little less than two years. Wow, so we, we certainly have known each other for uh, quite a, a number of years and yes. it's really been truly a pleasure. And let's go a little bit uh, before that as well. Um, you were born and raised in Puerto Rico, if I'm not, not mistaken. So That's correct. What was it about your upbringing that brought you to higher education? Well, I mean, I, I was very fortunate, uh, Michael, to grow in a household where I got to meet uh, all of my grandparents and several of my great-grandparents. So I think it was a family deeply embedded in history. Right? We got together and the stories about the Puerto Rico of the past is something that um, I, I got to hear often. So I think that that sort of steered me in the direction of becoming a historian. 
My mom was starting to be to be a teacher. That didn't happen because I was born. My grandmother uh, taught in the public school system in Puerto Rico for about 40 years. So the seat of education was, was there. And uh, I think the part of public higher ed that's special to me is that uh, the CUNY of Puerto Rico, the University of Puerto Rico, made uh, my dad, who was a man of humble beginnings, uh, allow him to become an engineer and give my brothers and I a much better life than he had growing up, a lot better educational opportunities. So a lot of the good things that I've been able to accomplish uh, in part occur because those doors of opportunity were open to my dad, which allowed me to have a, him and allowed me to have a better life. And that's why I so believe in CUNY and his mission. Uh, I wanna be part of a lot more doors being open to individuals with great talent and great promise um, and improving their lives and the lives of the communities that they live in. Well, as, as thank you for that that response. As you can, as we can see uh, behind you, um, there are a lot of doors at CUNY. <laughs> there are a lot of institutions uh, whose whose doors uh, you will be uh, stepping through either um, physically or or virtually. So, what what is it like being the chancellor of such a diverse university system? And what what are the things that you can share with our our viewers that that surprised you about it? Well, let, let me begin by that last point. As someone who started as, at, at CUNY as a faculty member, right? I didn't come to CUNY as an administrator. I began as a faculty member back at Hunter. Um, you know, I have been at Hunter. I've been at Ostos. I've been at Queens. And uh, so you figure you've been in the system for 20 years. You have a decent sense of what CUNY does. And coming to the central office, I can tell you that I was... Uh, incredibly surprised at the many, many other programs that CUNY has that touch so many parts of the life of New Yorkers. Um, you know, it is the only, I mean, one of the only places in the world where you can start and get a GED uh, and then make it all the way to getting a professional degree uh, all within one system. Uh, we are in every community in New York City. Uh, so as diverse as those communities are, uh, so are our campuses and the students that attend, the faculty and staff that uh, are, you know, that work for us. And also the many other people that come to our campuses to attend a performance, go to a lecture, to uh, be part of an informational meeting in their, in their community, that go there to vote. Um, and uh, so, so much great work being done uh, among our 25 campuses. And I enjoy that, um, you know, at the beginning of the day, I can begin the conversation uh, talking to employers about how we can be part of helping the city get out of this economic um, malaise, right? Uh, and then I move to a conversation about uh, funding for national research universities. And then I move to a, a meeting that has to do with uh, supporting our cultural institutions in the city. Uh, so it's a very uh, diverse days given the diversity of all our campuses. Yes, I, I could well imagine. Um, and I, I would assume as well that many of those meetings are, are with um, administrators, uh, lay leaders. Uh, I, let's focus for a few minutes on students. Um, uh, both of us are sort of, certainly were, were students. We all went through uh, high school, college, uh, graduate school. Uh, what, what are your primary goals for today's CUNY students? And what do you hope to provide them through 
a, a CUNY education, which is, a, as we just discussed, as diverse as it is, uh, starting from potentially a GED and go, going all the way to a professional degree? Well, well, Michael, one of the things you mentioned sort of our connection to the roles that we have. And one thing that I miss is the classroom. And I actually need to find a way to, uh, in my schedule, uh, teach because I miss that um, more intense um, uh, weekly interaction with the students and the energy and the wisdom that they bring with their uh, ideas and their questions and, and, and their own thirst for for, for knowledge and applying that, that knowledge. So I, I miss that uh, a lot. I mean, I get a taste of it working with our really fantastic student leaders all across the, uh, all across the system, but you know, it's not the same as that sustained relationship in a classroom. I mean, from our students, I want that our students are able to really fulfill their uh, professional slash career uh, dreams and their personal dreams, right? So I want students that can come and if they have a good sense about what they wanna do with their lives, that they can then just unleash that potential and be in one of our campuses. And if you were clear you wanted to be a nurse, if you were clear you wanted to be an accountant, if you were clear you wanna be a social worker, that you have a clear path to succeed and, and do that. Um, if you're less sure about what you wanna do, that the journey at CUNY allows you to get exposed to, uh, to maybe some things that you have not considered before um, and to explore that. And I think that we have a particular responsibility when about half of our students are the first one in their families to attend college, to provide those kinds of opportunities. But it's also a space for personal growth um, and uh, for, um, instilling a deeper sense of civic engagement, a deeper sense of community, because uh, it's not just about their improvement as individuals. They need to uh, see themselves as large of a larger uh, set of causes. And I'm hoping that the campuses provide some of those opportunities uh, for growth. So that when you leave our campus, and you know we're all in a, in a continuous journey of lifelong learning, right? It's not gonna end the moment they get their, their degree, uh, but that you come out with uh, a thirst for civic participation, to be engaged, to be informed, and to want to improve your life, your family life, but also the life of, the, of your community. Do you feel, thank you, do you feel that uh, your background as an historian um, helps in terms of your orientation to the university um, as, as a whole of, of again, your, your, your knowledge of history and the breadth of uh, influences that impacts on the history of, of um, mankind, on the, the history of our country, history of Puerto Rico? Uh, I, I would certainly hope so, uh, Michael, right? And because uh, I think that part of our historian's job, right, is to to go listen to different voices. Right. And from those different voices, construct a narrative or some narratives that help to explain right, what happened in the past uh, and that document change over time. Right. And, uh, and clearly listening skills, respect for those voices, um, the, the sense of responsibility of including all kinds of perspectives, which are indispensable tools for a historian. Uh, I would like to think that they're uh, part of the uh, skill set that a good leader at CUNY, that it be the chancellor or the president, 
um, needs to have to be able to bring in all those stakeholders, which might not be in agreement all the time, that might have a different sense of, um, uh, of history and, and, um, and of belonging and coming together and, and creating spaces of commonality and spaces of, um, of improvement. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, my, my graduate degree is in American Jewish history. So I, I, it was a loaded question. I kind of knew what the answer <laughs> was going to be. So it kind of reaffirms my decision years ago uh, to go into that, that, that field academically uh, and then to emerge from it and end up in the community relations field, uh, yeah. which is part of what your responsibilities are. And, and speaking of community relations, uh, it's more like campus relations. So what's the ideal campus climate and, and what do you think it takes uh, for the university to get there? So, I mean, I think that the, the campus climate is, is sort of like a delicate balance uh, between respect and discovery. Uh, obviously, uh, for anybody to be able to grow, for anybody to be able to advance their professional and their personal dreams, right? They need to be in a place where they feel respected. They need to be in a place where they feel safe, where they feel that what they have to contribute, what they have to say, you know, will be, will be listened to and, and they can be themselves uh, in, um, in, in doing that, right? At the same time, uh, a space of exploration and a space of uh, challenging frontiers and being creative is always gonna provide some tension, right? And I think we need to, uh, to, to understand that, right? If, if, if I want uh, my children to, uh, to be better individuals, every now and then, part of my job is to um, shake them a little bit from their comfort zone, right? And invite them to explore beyond what they think is familiar or correct. Um, and, you know, and that is tricky, uh, but it has to be always to be done in the context of, of respect. So I think that the best campus climates provide both that sense, a sense in which you know that, that you know, Michael is gonna be embraced, that Michael is gonna be respected, that we value the fact that Michael is a member of our community, but at the same time, we're gonna challenge him, right? To venture a bit more of the comfort zone so that they can be exposed to, um, other individuals, other cultures, other perspectives, other potential ways of thinking about themselves in the future. So it's it's ongoing work, it's 24 seven work, uh, but I think it's what really makes higher ed uh, and colleges, uh, I think real spaces of hope. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more once again, because I think what you described is very much in line with the community community relations yeah. field of venturing beyond your comfort zone and reaching out to, to others with whom you, you may uh, disagree uh, and hopefully disagree agreeably. Um, and speaking about, about uh, disagreements, uh, just uh, one year ago, uh, Jan January 5th, uh, 2020, uh, we were so honored to have you march together with us, uh, JCRC, uh, UJA, and more than 25,000 others across the Brooklyn Bridge, showing your solidarity with the Jewish community, which has suffered from a spate of violent and lethal anti-Semitic incidents, particularly over the, the Hanukkah period a year ago. Um, what measures have you, Chancellor, put in place 
uh, to combat uh, hatred and anti-Semitism on CUNY campuses because that hatred and that anti-Semitism was palpable um, a, a year ago. And uh, what steps potentially can be taken, what steps have been taken. And most recently, of course, we've been dealing with hatred, not exclusively against, um, against members of the Jewish faith, but more recently against members of the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Of course, we've seen racism against blacks and a prejudice against Latinos, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but again, the issue is really hate uh, and what can a, a, a campus environment do uh, to tamp down, if not actually even eliminate hate? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I remember that, that march very well, and it was my honor to join you and so many New Yorkers at that, at that time. Uh, it was a, I remember a very cold uh, uh, day crossing the, the Brooklyn Bridge, and, and I had just uh, come from, uh, I cut my vacation short, I was visiting my parents down in Orlando. And, uh, but it was honored to be, uh, to be with you because I thought it was important to sort of speak out um, and show that this kind of hate had no place in, in New York, in the country, um, in our communities. So thank you for your leadership in, in putting that together. Uh, I mean, for me uh, as chancellor, I can give you examples of things that I have done when I've been on my individual campuses, right? At hostels and at Queens and now being chancellor um, I mean, one of the things that uh, I was very fortunate when I went to Queens is to find an institution called the Center for Ethnic, Religious, and Racial Understanding, CERU, which actually was a project that began as a, as a grant from the Queens College Center for Jewish Studies, going back to this, going back to history, to our conversation, that began because it felt that it wanted to create in a campus, and at that time, I think still, Queens had the largest um, Muslim and Jewish population of all the CUNY campuses. So they wanted to create an institution that would you know, create bridges and create conversations and, um, and try to um, you know, create relationships so that uh, there'd be less hate and less of those incidents. But in the case something happened that you also had some tools to be able to heal right, and move forward, which is equally important. So what, so I came in and, uh, and I could have checked in the box and say, people before me at Queens did this, but yeah. I see this, this work, this work is 24 seven. Whenever you feel that you've put, you know, good programs, good structures, that you created a good infrastructure, um, the people change and you need to go back to the drawing board, right? And, and, and refresh all those relationships. Uh, and uh, so it's ongoing work. So I was committed to that work at, um, at Queens and also, I mean, the Department of Education there at Queens ran a series called Difficult Conversations. So, it was like, so part of the role was in that case, there was a, a good infrastructure that I inherited, fortunately, and my job was to expand it and to enhance it. What I've done as chancellor is to make sure that all the presidents in their campuses have, uh, they don't have to be the same, but that they have similar um, infrastructure in their campus that adapts to their reality. For example, at uh, Brooklyn College, President Anderson has been superb in, crea in creating an umbrella campaign called We Stand Against Hate, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to deal with some of the things that she was facing when she became president at, um, at Brooklyn College, mm -hmm. we're very fortunate 
to receive the support from the city council speaker, Corey Johnson, uh, who gave us money to replicate what I knew was working at Queens with CERU and have that same group then become an incubator for similar programs all across the CUNY campuses, right? Um, so uh, if both now in this role that I have is A, making sure that it's each campus is doing what they need to do based on their culture, based on their history, right? Two, to then be supportive with structures that support the entire CUNY community um, and replicate the things that are important. And it's key that you also bring in, uh, I've been blessed, for example, to uh, name about 11 new presidents to our system uh, and to bring individuals uh, of the caliber of Frank Wu at Queens College, for example, who's been in, in the last couple of months, one of the key national voices based on his uh, research and scholarship on hatred against Asian Americans. So it's, it's on, as you know, it's ongoing work. You can never rest. You always have to be, even at times when you have less incidents, you keep to keep uh, nurturing those seeds of conversation, of engagement, of information, and modeling best behavior. Well, thank you for that. But uh, considering all the different dynamics currently uh, swirling around uh, in our society, where regrettably acts of hate, acts of violence uh, have been all too common, uh, what's the, the tipping point, Chancellor, for you to speak out um, as the uh, the, the head of the university, uh, rather than uh, the presidents of the 25 institutions uh, under your umbrella? Well, I mean, again, I, I think that you, you look at each uh, circumstance um, um, differently each time. At the end of the day, what you want is to be both an effective role model, right? But you also have to be an effective agent of change. Right? Yeah. So to your question, I want to lend my voice when I think that it adds value and it contributes, right? Um, and, and where my community needs to see me there and to be making that, that statement. Um, I also have to think about my own uh, position, right? As in this case, how important it was to have a member of the Latino community, right? Being solidarity with the Jewish community going back to the example you, you mentioned in, 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 the, in the walk in the bridge, but then also that needs to be backed up with uh, work on the campuses, right? Um, and, uh, and work that is system-wide. The example of CERO is something that we, we hope that we can continue to expand, right? To, to have that model grow all throughout the, uh, the system. There are things that each campus is doing and part of my job is to keep the constant level of conversation with the presidents um, and the leaders in those campuses so that um, there's both speaking out that, that that personal and symbolic part, which is so important is there, but there also need to be sort of concrete steps and you need to be you know, supportive uh, of, um, I give an example, the COVID-19 hate crime by Bill that Grace Meng has you know, sponsoring Congress, right? To be supportive yes. of, of things like that. So it's, it's, I think it's both the speaking out, the symbolic, if you wish, but then also the making sure that you're creating structures in the campuses so that there's less of those incidents in your own community, 
that the people in my community have tools to be helpful in the communities that they belong to when they address these things. Um, so that's how I see my role. Right, I, I think that's very helpful to understanding. And as you can see behind me in our graphic, uh, we have the, the Brooklyn Bridge, but you don't only see the Brooklyn Bridge, you see a good part of, of New York as well. It's not just the march itself, is what impact that march has. And with mm -hmm. regard to impact, um, a, a bill was recently proposed in the New York State Senate and the New York State Assembly mandating the State University of New York SUNY and the City University of New York CUNY uh, systems to establish courses of study uh, on ethnic studies, women's studies, and social justice. What are the implications for CUNY and New York in general regard to that legislation? And what needs to change with regard to curriculum and practice? So, so thank you for that. I mean, A, I have not actually seen the draft of the bill. So I, you know, I, I don't wanna, uh, again, write comment on, on bills that I have not seen. But the good news is that that is homework that we already have been doing. I mean, CUNY has a robust infrastructure of, uh, of academic programs, courses, research centers, uh, student life activities that touch upon uh, race and ethnicity sort of broadly conceived, right? And, and uh, I came to CUNY as a scholar of the Puerto Rican Latino experience to direct a center that was based on the Puerto Rican and the Latino experience in, uh, in, in New York City, both in research policy and in, uh, in our archives. Part of my previous life was to be a scholar on women's studies. Right, so CUNY has already uh, courses, centers, resources, and in many, many campuses, those courses are uh, part of the menu of the courses you need to take as part of your general education requirements. So that's deeply embedded already uh, in CUNY, but you can never rest easy. We are fortunate enough to receive support from um, the Mellon Foundation and, and the president um, um, and uh, to give us a grant to look at all our race and ethnic studies programs, right? And to look at the assets that we have in the system, but also to upgrade and to look where those fields are going and what are the current conversations and how can we leverage that in a more productive way in our curriculum, in our research, in the life that we have with, with our campuses. So that exercise is ongoing. I'm very, very excited about that. I am sure that it's like any good exercise is gonna document some good things that we do. And it's also gonna highlight some things where we have some homework and things to do. And I look forward to that. So it's, it's always ongoing work, even when you have assets, even when you have invested, you, you have to stay on top of the game and uh, so again, I'm gonna go check that, um, those, those bills. And, uh, but if, if they become law, I think that CUNY will be very well positioned with many assets to contribute um, and keep rethinking and improving as, as time goes on. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. And um, I think many of, of our uh, points of discussion up until now truly have revolved around uh, community relations, uh, ethnic relations, race relations. Um, and similarly, with regard to uh, our Jewish community, uh, seven years ago, JCRC New York 
uh, launched its faculty engagement program as part of an effort to create nuanced discussions about Israel among university and college faculty in New York City. Uh, the director of the program, Dr. Shahar Sadeh, does this through academic panels, crash courses, academic and professional engagements, and faculty study tours in Israel and also uh, into the Palestinian uh, territories. Um, and in fact, you have uh, brought greetings. You have opened several of the programs of faculty engagement program. Yes. Um, but as the chancellor, what is the sentiment that you see with regard to Israel on campus, both within the faculty and administration, as well as the, the student body? What, from your perch, uh, what are you seeing, seeing, what are you feeling uh, when it comes to the state of Israel? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I'm very familiar with that program and lo love uh, Dr. Sadeh and, and, and actually have benefited from, I mean, I can tell you one of the panels uh, that was sponsored about um, higher education in Israel yes. and, and sort of commonalities with our public universities. And uh, you know, and I was, uh, I mean, for me, it was, I mean, I can tell you things like, for example, that I've never thought about how does the composition of the student body in the universities, for example, in Israel, um, when you have students who come after doing military service, right, that have that space of more maturity and service, yeah. how does that impact? And when they go into uh, higher ed, vis-a-vis, -vis, for example, students that we might get straight from the DOE, at CUNY. So again, I'm a big fan of, of those programs. I'm very fortunate um, of the ones that we were able to do with faculty that was based in Queens. And certainly I have told my presidents that those are the kinds of opportunities that I think that we need to jump on and thank JCRC for creating the infrastructure to make that, to make that easy. To your question, I mean, you know, we, we are a huge system. We have, you know, about half a million students between credit and and and, and not for credit. So it'd be tough for me to give you a a um, a, a really erudite sense, right, of 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 sentiment on campus to your question about sort of the um, the Israel and 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 in the campuses. So uh, I think that, as you pointed out in in some of your comments, uh, the increased polarization that we have seen. Uh, in the country, but also traditionally are issues that affect the Middle East has an impact uh, on, um, on, on that. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there as a result of that historic uh, polarization. Uh, but that's where education becomes important. I mean, that's, that's where uh, having the chance to sit down with people that you trust and be able to say, well, you know, not quite. And, and that's not quite the, the way that things work. Let me give you a different take on, uh, on this. And let me contextualize some of these other aspects is, is so important. In, and, um, and I think that that's one of the things where we need to continue to sort of double down and continue to, uh, to invest, right? How do we make uh, individuals who might not be informed be willing to participate and be part of spaces where they're better informed, right? How do we create trust? And this, this I go back to the example of CERU, right? In which uh, you have students that maybe initially part of their uh, personal and family histories would invite them not to trust each other, but because they participated in some spaces, trust was built 
that allow for conversations that you wouldn't be able to have to then occur and maybe change some minds, right? And, yeah. uh, and I think that that's the biggest challenge in front of all of us. We find that it's increasingly more difficult because of the immediate polarization and some of the things that we see in, in social media. Um, but, you know, you and I are in the kind of work that we are because we believe in a glass half full. We believe in the potential of these things to really bring about change. And, and that's what motivates me to believe that really, if we invest some of that time, um, A, a lot more people are gonna be able to come together. B, that even when you might not agree, that disagreement would remain without the boundaries of respect, right? And, and safety. And then C, that then when the actors that are really bad apples uh, behave in that way, it'll be much easier to identify them as such because we have some common ground that be able to say, listen, on that one, you're really stepping out of bounds. That is, that is not uh, something that we're going to tolerate, but it is, it is hard work. And I think I have to tell you, Michael, that in the larger context that we live in the country uh, is, is, is one of the things where I think we need to double down. And for me as an educator is one of the things that, that I just, believe that universities are a potentially special place to get that right early on, right? And, and, and to do the work that we do. And obviously open to, as we have always, uh, suggestions, partnerships, and things that continue to advance this agenda. Right, um, thank you. And, and in terms of, of partnerships, I know that Dr. Sadeh has been very helpful in building relationships between uh, City University, which is of course a public university and public universities in Israel as well, um, sharing uh, concepts, sharing ideas, uh, sharing best practices. Um, I, I think there's a lot to learn uh, from uh, one university system or college system to another. Uh, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and the other part too, and I think we know this, Michael, uh, there's that which is valuable and is learning and, and particularly academics, we thrive on that. But then there's also the personal connections, right? Is me having spent some time with that colleague that then I can feel that when I have a question that I might be embarrassed to ask in public, right? Because I don't have all the information because I feel that I might be offending someone that I can, that then I can do that in the context of trust Right, and, and, and that's the way in which we all, um, I'll give you one example of something that we were working with uh, at Queens is uh, a pilot of a course for all the new students to take in their first year. Even if you began as a transfer, you began as a first time freshman. And at Queens and at CUNY, we're very part of our diversity as we should, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But we need to be more proactive in taking advantage of that diversity, right? We need to, for example, give tools to students, right? So that they, when they encounter other students that come from a different background, different perspective, what are some tools to break the ice, to begin the conversation, not to feel, you know, silly or embarrassed or ashamed or fearful, right? Let's give them tools so that early on, they can then take advantage as they need all these incredibly diverse people on campus, right? To really feel comfortable to reach out, 
to ask questions, to build friendships, to build relationships. Um, and I think it's something that um, we could be doing a much better job in our campuses and, and really even unleash the power of uh, that diversity that we have in a more dramatic way at the service of our students, but also the communities that we serve in New York City. Right, right. The, the bridge building, we're using that, we use that met metaphor um, a lot within JCRC, the bridge building on a university campus is really crucial uh, that we not remain within our, our own bubble, within our own space. But uh, speaking of challenges uh, related to that, let's pivot to COVID-19 um, and the pandemic as it's affected the City University of New York. Um, Post-pandemic, um, how, do, how does this translate to the future um, of the City of New York um, in regard to your teaching methods and with CUNY's role in, in the city's recovery? Uh, is there a role for a city-based university system, 25 campuses, in terms of uh, how uh, one the students relate to the realities of the day, and equally as important, uh, how what uh, the students and the faculty bring to the city of, of New York to pull us out of, of this period you referred to it before as malaise. So, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, the impact New York has been sort of slapped twice, if you wish, right, nationally with the effects of the pandemic. We were the first ones to feel it, and then we felt uh, all, the, all the other waves that came uh, to, the, to the country. Uh, well, first, to respond to this emergency is yeah. in part why CUNY exists. And I mean this very much, and I tell people that we are an indispensable partner in bringing this city back, right? And, uh, and we are knocking on every door, uh, letting people say, you know, how can we be helpful? What's CUNY's role in helping? Is it, is it in training? Is it in getting individuals who have been, you know, laid out from work to get new skills, be able to move to the new areas of work? Is it, um, you know, providing assistance to emerging industries that are, that are, that are you know, beginning to, to get out there? There's also, and you mentioned that, I thank you for doing that, the role of our faculty in yeah. some of the research um, that they did uh, around COVID testing and mm -hmm. um, using sewage water to dictate where the new virus might be spreading. Um, faculty that we have in one of the campuses that develop um, uh, a different spray to be able to sanitize um, um, spaces for a long time. So the, the role of that research is also key, right? In how we deal with this pandemic and we get ready for the next one. But uh, we're working very hard to uh, have our students be ready for a very difficult labor market. We are in conversations with the employers to find out what kinds of skills and needs they have and try to provide that as quickly as we can and create a pipeline uh, for them uh, to do this. Uh, we're also doing this, Michael, in the context of employers wanting increased diversity in yeah. their workforce. Mm -hmm. There's no more diverse university system than the City University of New York. Right. When you think about that diversity of the, of the workforce, you can only get it at scale partnering with um, an institution like, like CUNY. Uh, so we're very much part of those uh, of those conversations. Moving forward, we, we pivoted 
50,000 classes, Michael, in a week and a half from face to face to online when we got hit by this pandemic initially at the end of February, right? Uh, obviously, online learning is not for everybody. It's not their preferred way. But we have found out that there's many things that we're doing virtually in student support services, in the classroom, that we hope to continue to do once we go back to a more normal time. I think one of the key challenges moving forward is not to want to roll back the clock, right? And feel that life in February of 2020 was ideal, mm -hmm. right? And once we feel more secure, the task is to go back. No, no, no. The task is to, the things that were face-to-face, -face, that added value, that were more important to keep them, to keep going. But the things that we learned, right? about better online teaching, about mixing face-to-face -face with online in a hybrid way, about student support services that can be done better virtually mm -hmm. than having a line in the bursar's office face-to-face, -face, which nobody likes, right? <laughs> yes. All of those things. So I think for us, the challenge is deeply on what we have done, grab the things that we did better and run with them to the benefit of our students and the communities that we serve uh, and to double down on our, our, our mission of social mobility at this time of crisis. Many of the economic sectors, Michael, that were decimating the pandemics is where my students work full-time or part-time. Restaurants, hospitality, uh, retail, right? So bringing those sectors back is gonna have an impact on the quality of life for my students we want to be part of that recovery for that reason. And then also for the more equitable, vibrant New York that you and I and everybody watching this podcast aspires to. Right. So, and that's all very, very helpful um, and very forward thinking. How, how has the pandemic impacted on, on you, Chancellor, um, your role <laughs> as chancellor within this university, beyond the university as a whole, the, the students, the faculty that you've just described so amply? Well, I thank you. I, I mean, I, I think you couldn't find a New Yorker that probably doesn't have some personal story of either uh, direct loss or indirect loss. At CUNY, I'll give you one example. One of the things that's giving me greatest pride is to build a team at the central office and on the campuses that reflects the communities that we serve with incredible diversity, very proud of that. And uh, an alum that we brought to be the first Asian American vice chancellor, which I think is at times crazy that it took so long. Mm. Uh, Alan Liu, uh, very successful. Um, he was the, the, the city manager in this great career, came back to serve. We lost him to COVID. So, oh. I think about COVID, there's very concrete faces of colleagues and in our campuses, right? There's similar stories of students, faculty, and staff. So it's very personal um, at, at that level. Um, you know me. You know that I am a uh, uh, hugging, uh, um, embracing people, enjoying yeah. conversations uh, kind of person. And... That, that hasn't quite happened as much. Um, 
I learned by being engaged. I always love to walk the campuses. So I miss uh, some of those elements clearly and, and look forward to a time where we can uh, continue to build community with those with those sides. Um, and, um, and, and I think also it's been a time of great, you know, introspection in the sense of um, um, how you want to lead your life, how you want to contribute, how you want to show the people you love and care about that uh, every day, uh, because you don't know what the future might, uh, might bring. And then finally, Michael, some really beautiful stories of how uh, faculty, staff, and students came together to help each other. I mean, I think that that uh, um, uh, New Yorkers, you know, we can be very, very scruffy and we can be tough and all of that. Uh, but there's an incredible sense of solidarity when, when the yeah. chips are down. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw that with my faculty doing incredible things to make sure that students completed the semester and stayed on track, uh, students supporting each other. Um, and that was inspiring, that was beautiful. And we need to keep that inside all of us and use it uh, for the days that are tougher as we move ahead. Wow. Um, is there anything specifically that you would want to share with us that you individually are going to be changing as we emerge uh, from COVID-19? Uh, some lesson that was learned uh, through this horrible period that you could put to work for the betterment of, of, of the City University of New York and for your own personal betterment? I, I, absolutely. So we, we tell our students that part of their educational journey is to be uh, flexible and adaptable and that they're going to be learning a skill set and they're going to be learning all those things. But part of what they need to have in their DNA is the capacity to be able to change, to continue to grow, to continue to learn. And if we have not learned that from this pandemic, uh, I don't know where people have been, right? Uh, and, and it also showed us how we could do things. Uh, if someone had told me, fellow, you have two weeks to switch all classes to online, I would have said, what, what are you thinking? This is really impossible, right? So it showed us that when we have the desire, there's a couple of things that right now might be in our, I don't think we can do that bucket that we can clearly tackle. And I think we need to take that moving forward, particularly for the things that are big intractable problems, for the things where we don't see a lot of progress, to remember the things that we were able to do uh, quickly with resolve. And, um, and I think that, that that's the largest agenda of innovation of, uh, that we can carry forward with concrete results based on what we what we did. So that's, that's for me, it's one of the, uh, let's say, a, a positive legacy of this very difficult time. Yeah, so you are a concrete results uh, person. I, I, I know from my years of, of knowing you, as you said, you're also a, a warm, a hugging person. And uh, to be able to have those uh, two qualities, those two values um, is, is really exceptional. Uh, getting to, to, to know you over the years, and now you're assuming the, the role of the City University of New York's uh, Chancellor, uh, it really is to the great credit of the university that you are there, and to the benefit of the New York uh, City, of New York City, New York State, of, 
those uh, students who are attending and the faculty members who teach and the administrators who administrate uh, that you are their leader. And I am just so pleased, smiling from ear to ear, that uh, I was able to uh, invite you onto this program and that you said yes and just spent uh, such a, a significant amount of, of time uh, sharing with us. Is, is there, are there any last messages that you would like to, to leave for our viewing audience? Well, I mean, thank you for that very uh, kind comments. And you know that the that the admiration and the respect uh, and the and the brotherly love is there uh, shared for the many things that we have, um, you know, shared through the years and the and the joint work together and, and work that will continue right as you get ready to think about this um, this new phase in your life. Uh, I, I have been incredibly fortunate uh, to be able not to work with you, but many of your colleagues. Uh, JCRC and you know uh, look forward to continue to do that uh, because we know that the work you know uh, unfortunately never ends right and and, and yes. uh, we need to uh, to remain remain building those bridges and uh, I think that we have uh, an opportunity as uh, as I look for example at very new leadership at the City University of New York that I've been blessed to bring as president as vice chancellors uh, that there might be an opportunity there, right? To um, uh, be mindful that we have those leaders that we need to connect them uh, to, to the work of the organization, uh, that we need to come together with our shared values moving forward. So I look forward to doing, uh, uh, to doing that. And, uh, and you and I have um, pending unfinished Travel business that I hope that uh, will get will get done uh, soon and and uh, and, uh, and and again uh, I just want to thank you and I want to thank uh, JCRC. I mean, there's a personal side, but you've been also incredible allies to the City University of New York. Uh, we know that we can count on you, and and we continue to do that and to and to build community together for many years to come. So so thank you. I'm delighted to. Uh, uh, to be here and, and um, uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And I also want to thank uh, my colleagues, Rabbi Bob Kaplan, who directs our Center for Community Leadership and Dr. Shachar Sadeh, the director of our faculty engagement program, as well as uh, Karen uh, Lafferty, who heads our Youth Bridge program. Many of our juniors and seniors uh, in, in high school or part of the Youth Bridge program move on to the City University of New York and attend one of the uh, 25 institutions. So there, there's so much and probably other of my colleagues as well. I also want to thank our production team, our uh, chief operating officer, Noam Gilboard, who's also our director of Israel International Affairs. Uh, uh, his program coordinator in that department is Rebecca Grossman, as well as uh, Jan Jennifer Glick, who has been doing uh, tech for us on these programs. These are all second or third or fourth jobs <laughs> uh, that our, our staff uh, take, uh, takes on. And I'm very, very grateful to them and uh, most, most grateful to our guest uh, today, the Chancellor of the City University of New York, uh, Felix Matos uh, Rodriguez. I'm very grateful for your having spent so much time with us, as I've said, and look forward to many other opportunities, most importantly, face-to-face -face where we can actually give each other uh, a nice warm hug. Take care, Absolutely. everybody. Th thank you for watching. Uh, shalom, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Community Relations Corner. Toda, thank you.
Shalom.